You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Wow. Hello. Okay. It's going to be like, I like that. Good morning. How's it going? Y'all having a good morning? Okay, good, good. I feel that this morning. Man, it's good to be with you. Uh, my name is Alec. I'm one of the pastors here at The Creek. And uh, hey, welcome. If, if you're new with us, I, I'm, I'm honestly really glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. So it's going to be a good morning. Um, I, I want to um, really just let you know we're, we're back in, unsurprisingly, uh, the, the book of Luke. <laughs> and uh, man, we're, we're basically going to be here uh, through uh, Easter. And then, and then two miracles are going to happen. Jesus is going to get out of the grave, and we're going to get out of the book of Luke. And so, uh, did I hear an amen? Okay. Uh, man, okay. I thought we were in a good place this morning. But, um, so, so this morning, I, I really um, want to just share with you guys uh, about uh, kind of a, a season in my life, just for the sake of talking about hospitality. Um, because, because if hospitality is extended to somebody, it can, it can really just change a situation. Um, we're talking about God's hospitality today, but um, one of the loneliest, I don't say this to bum you out, but one of the loneliest seasons of my life, um, it probably happened four or five years ago. Um, I, I was at a different church, and um, n- nothing against them, good, solid Bible-believing church, but um, I, I would have been in my mid-20s, and um, just, just globally, uh, the church tends to struggle uh, in, in meeting and reaching people where they're at, if they are um, single, if, if they are uh, men sometimes, uh, and, and especially if they are uh, 20 to 30-somethings. Uh, and, and I was all of those at the same time in a church without a lot of any of those. And so uh, it, just, just to be honest, it was a, it was a hard time in my life, and, and I felt very um, isolated. And I was in ministry, Right, so surrounded by people, but but very much felt alone. I don't know if you've ever been in a season like that where you're surrounded by people, but but you feel alone. And and I don't say that to like bring us down this morning. I, I say that to um, to let you know what what helped pull me out of that. And and like the the Sunday school answer is <laughs> Jesus, right? But 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 actually, um, it was it was some of Jesus's people and. Um, you may you may even know this couple. If you do, man, they're incredible. They're local. They don't go to our church, but they're they're in the Fort Worth area. Um, a, a guy and a gal who were married named Steve and Megan Vosier. Just an incredible couple. Um, good good old Arkansas people. And by that, I, I don't mean that they were family before they were married. I just mean, um, I just mean. That, don't tell Matt I said that. Uh, I just mean that they were they were good man, just hospitable, kind people. And um, I mean, when 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 I was at this um, just low place in my life, um, they they were just a couple had three kids, big old house, and and they didn't do anything just drastic or, or incredible. They just invited me over for dinner a couple times. And and here's the thing, when you are single. And when you are in college and when you are in a season of life where you're lonely, regardless of what age you are, to be invited into the life of a family is just an incredible thing. Just an incredible thing. And let me just like, this is for free and not a part of the message. If you are in a family unit, you have such an 
opportunity to be a refuge to people who are lonely, to people who, who are single and young. And, and listen, y'all, all you need to do, cook a home-cooked meal. I'm serious. Man, if you know a college kid, listen, y'all, they're tired of cheap old jack-in-the-box tacos. And if you don't know how to cook, Stouffer's lasagna will get the job done for you. And, and all you have to do is invite somebody in, just an opportunity for you. You can be a refuge for somebody going through a season right now. And, and I encourage you, like the way that we reach people in that stage of life is by inviting them in. And that can't be me. That's got to be somebody in this room noticing someone, realizing, hey, you are a human, <laughs> and, and then inviting them into their house, man. And so I just encourage you if, you, if you know somebody in that situation that's lonely, that's hurting, that's young, man, drag them into your family. I promise you, it may be weird for a minute, but you will love it. They will love it as well. It's just a beautiful opportunity to do discipleship. That's not what we're talking about though. Here's what I want to point out to you is that in that season, as they expressed hospitality towards me, man, it it just, in, in a lot of ways, pulled me out of my loneliness. It also pulled me out of thinking about myself so much. Because I think part of the problem is when you're in a season like that, it's so easy um, without other people around to normalize what's going on, uh, for, for you to just get inward thinking. My grandma uh, has lived alone for 40 years, and she will, in the kitchen with a house full of people there, whistle so loud it sounds like she's singing. It just uh, First off, physically impressive. I'm going to be honest with you. But but she doesn't even realize she's doing it because she's lived alone for so long that she'll just be cooking. People will be trying to talk to her and she'll just, I'm like, what? how did you do that? And also why? And, and here's why, because she doesn't have other people around her to normalize her situation and go, grandma, why are you whistling? And, and we, in extending hospitality to each other, man, we help each other grow into the people that God is shaping us into. And so, so here's, here's, um, here's what I want you to see today. We're going to talk about um, communion. And, and rather, we're going to talk about when Jesus um, instituted communion through the Passover meal, through the Seder meal, um, which Seder just means feast, would have been a chance to gather with his disciples and, and really to celebrate the faithfulness of God. But here's what I want you to see in this, is that it is a moment when God extends his hospitality to us. And, and so as we talk about that, my hope is that um, you would understand that just on a personal level, but, but also that we would be shaped into um, men and women uh, of hospitality for others, that we don't just sit back and go, well, you know, maybe somebody will serve me, but that we run after people in the way that God's love runs after us. And we can't do that on our own. Good sermon won't do that. Good worship won't do that. We need the Lord to show up. And so can, can, we, just, can we just pray and ask him to show up in that way? Let's pray. God, this morning, um, we just come to you and ask that you would remind us of the hospitality you've extended to us, and God, that you would shape us into men and women who open our homes, who open our wallets, who open our lives, um, not, not to give to some miscellaneous church thing, but God, to give to people, to pour out your love. Help us, God. We need you. We're selfish without you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to Luke 22. We're going to be in Luke 22, and we're going to pick up in verse 14. Um, just, just as you're turning there, uh, here, here's what I know. 
Um, some of you uh, grew up in the church like I did. And, uh, man, I mean, I grew up in a tiny little Methodist church. And uh, man, we, we did communion. It felt like every week. And, and maybe it wasn't, but, but when we did communion, man, it was an ordeal. And, and here's, here's what I mean. Like, like we did responsive readings. Um, we, we would do uh, Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, whatever creed we happened to do that week. And, um, and then it was a very, like we'd pray over the bread. It was kind of a religious activity. And, um, and maybe you grew up in that. And, and it can be a beautiful tradition. But some of us have got the idea that, that it's kind of a dead tradition or, or that it's um, just kind of religious action. And, and as we get into this, you're going to see that that's not the case. But, but I, I remember um, getting, getting communion and, and the way that we did it growing up. Like we, we would break off a, a gigantic chunk of King's Hawaiian bread, okay? Not that junky little cracker you're going to get in just a few minutes, right? Just saying. <laughs> we, um, just saying the good stuff. And, and we would, uh, it was by intinction, which means to dip. And so we would dip it into the cup. Uh, I just remember it being kind of funny because every now and then somebody from like a different denomination would come and man, they'd just walk up and, and they'd like act like they're about to dip it and then snag the cup and just like, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. And, and, and so man, it just, um, what we're looking at today is like as silly as that motion is of just, just going all in for communion, we're going to see that that is Jesus's attitude. And here's where I want you to see that. Verse 14, when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have, and, and this phrase is huge, earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I, I just say that's a big deal because, because here's the thing. I think it's easy for us to, in the church, get to the place of, of communion just being this kind of rote religious activity um, where, where we're just, man, we, we know what this is going to be about. He's going to talk about the cross at some point. He's going to say his body's broken at some point, and then we're going to toast and, and drink together, right? And, and the thing is, Jesus earnestly desired to partake of this with his disciples. And I think that matters, because if we want to look like Jesus, then a part of that is having hearts that want to remember the faithfulness of God in communion. And so just, just something to note that, that if your heart, man, if you just see this uh, religious action wrote, kind of devoid of meaning, then Jesus didn't see it that way. And so I think, I think that's important. Verse 16, for I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and to divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Here is all the, the, the picture that he's painting right there. He is with his disciples in the middle of what would have been this hours-long kind of Seder meal. And as he's doing this, um, he, he just stops and reminds them, um, I'm not going to drink this again until the kingdom of God is fully realized on the earth. And, and because we know the end of the story, right? Be, because we know that Jesus goes to the cross within the week, um, we know that, yes, Jesus is not going to get this opportunity to gather again with his disciples and feast. And so he's reminding his disciples he's not going to get that opportunity again. That's why we call it the Last Supper, right? But he's also doing something else. He's also reminding his disciples that there's going to be a day when they will feast again. 
He's reminding them that there's going to be a day when they gather together again. Jesus, the resurrected Lord, the disciples and their resurrected bodies, and they come and they eat a beautiful feast together again. And Jesus just just simply reminds them that the Bible promises that there's a day coming when he'll wipe every tear from our eye, when we'll hunger no more, neither shall we thirst anymore. That's the book of Revelation. Um, That there's coming a day when, when the darkness of divorce and disease and just the brokenness of our world will be wiped away and we'll feast together in eternity. And that, man, that is something to be remembered in communion. That, that this is, yes, we remember backwards to Passover. Yes, we remember the present moment that's about to happen here with the cross. But we also remember that our hope is not based on those things. Our hope is that in eternity we'll feast together with Jesus. So we get to remember that at communion. Um, and, then, and then here's the part that if you grew up in church, like here, here's the part you remember, right? <laughs> Verse 19, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So, so regardless of whatever else is happening here, and we'll, we'll get into that, um, Jesus has now said that this cup represents his blood, which is to be the blood of the new covenant. And, and just for whatever it's worth to you, um, the language that Jesus is using here is mirroring all of the covenantal language of the Bible. And I, like, I wish, man, I wish we had like another hour. I know you maybe don't wish we had another hour, uh, but, but I wish we did because all over the Bible, there's this language that, that's used about covered in the blood and um, covenants, which, which is just a fancy word for agreements with the Lord. And then actually in, in the book of Exodus, Moses um, has this moment where he is renewing a covenant Just to show you some of the mirrored language that happens here, um, as he has sacrificed a bunch of animals, because the the Bible, uh, as he's sacrificed these animals, this this crazy thing happens. He slings the blood onto this crowd of people to renew the covenant, right? Super children's book. That's what the Bible is. Uh, And and, and then he says this, which which sounds like, oh man, behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words, which is, I mean, that's like a mirror of what Jesus is doing. We could look at the Abrahamic covenant. We could look at the Davidic covenant. I mean, we don't have time, but, but my gosh, this is all over the Bible. And here's what Jesus is doing and using those specific words. He's pointing out that the Passover and therefore communion and, and really all of the covenants leading up to this moment are fulfilled in Jesus that he is at the center of all of it. And as he does this, here's what he reminds us, that this is the implementation of not the old covenant, but the new covenant. The old covenant would have said, hey, you've got to um, follow every Old Testament commandment. (laughs) Good luck, because there's about 600 of them. Um, And if you mess up, or rather, when, 
you can sacrifice an animal. Uh, and, and like, don't worry, there's another like 600 laws regarding how to do that perfectly. And if you mess it up, you're in trouble with the Lord too. So good luck. You, you got this. Um, and, and, and in reality, uh, the, the New Testament's actually going to come along and say that the, the law, which, by the way, was talked about as beautiful by David and grace in the Old Testament, but the law was handed to us so that we would realize that we are inadequate to fulfill it, so that we would realize our need for a Savior. Because even, like, like we could do this. We don't have time. But even if you just want to quickly run through the Ten Commandments, you pretty much bomb all of them, Right? And, and so those were given to us, yes, to show us what it looks like to live holy and righteous and set apart by the Lord, but also so that we could realize we can't do that. We don't have the power in us. And so Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is a new covenant. And this is, this is like the gospel 101. That in the new covenant, on the cross, Jesus absorbed all of your sin. All of it. Past, future, present, but he did not just take your sin. Because like if it was just, man, hey, I'm going to take your sin. Now, good luck not sinning again. We're all going to make it about 30 seconds before a cuss word appears in our mind. I'm just saying. And, and here's the thing. He didn't do that. Instead, as he took all of our sin on himself and was crucified in our place, he imputed to us his righteousness. He gave us right standing before the Lord, his right standing, not our own. And so that when God the Father looks at you, not us, you, he does not see sinful, broken mistakes. He sees the righteousness of Christ Jesus himself as he looks at you. That's called uh, the great exchange, according to Martin Luther. And, and man, um, here's, here's the interesting thing that happens, because that's, that's really just an emphasis on the gospel, but, but this, this thing happens that is... I'll just show you. Verse 21. But behold, we're about to take a turn. The hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who is going to do this. Here's the thing. He is with his, his closest friends, honestly, guys he has traveled with for three years now, um, guys who, who he, he earnestly loves and wants the best for. If you've ever, if you've ever done ministry with anybody, man, you, you know you are in the trenches with somebody. And man, to be in the trenches with Jesus for three years and then to betray him has, has got to be a different kind of just soul wound for Jesus. But Jesus being God knows this is coming, right? And, and says, behold, someone at this table is going to betray me. And, and here's what happens, right? They, they begin to argue amongst one another. I mean, maybe it was Peter. He's been looking shady lately. I don't know. Whatever, right? The same thing we do when, when we argue as a church, right? But here's the reality is, is and, and I don't want you to miss this. We, we know what happens next because we're on this side of history. We know that Judas is going to betray him. And, and here's, if you're following along in your notes, what I want you to write down. In communion, God extends grace to his enemies. In communion, God extends grace to his enemies. And here's what I mean. In a very short amount of time, 
Judas, a man who has been one of Jesus' closest friends, is going to turn Jesus over to the authorities, betray him, and, and not even betray him well. He's going to betray him with a kiss. He's going to betray him for a very small amount of money. 30, 30 pieces of silver, like a year's wage. Not enough to betray the God of the universe. And he's, he is going to turn Jesus over, and Jesus is going to be um, mocked and have his beard pulled out, and he's going to be beaten, he's going to be accused, he's going to be scorned, rejected, and crucified like a criminal because of what Jesus experienced at the hands of Judas. And let me just tell you something. Here's the really beautiful thing. Judas is welcome at the table. Judas, like Jesus never turns to him and goes, hey, get out of here, you're garbage. I think sometimes we say that to ourselves, but, but Jesus never says that. He welcomes him. He says, come enjoy this Passover meal with me as we remember the faithfulness of God. And here's the cool thing about that. If Judas gets to be at the table, you get to be at the table. If Judas gets invited to dinner, man, listen, like I know you've done some bad things in your life, but you probably haven't turned Jesus over for crucifixion. Lately, anyways, <laughs> you get to be at the table. God, in communion, extends his hospitality towards his enemies. And, and I, wanna, I want you to hear me clearly on this. We were God's enemies. And, and I don't mean that God has made us enemies. I mean that in our lives of rebellion, passive and active against him, we have set ourselves as enemies against the throne of God. And he extends grace to us. I, in in Colombia, um, sorry, we're just jumping to South America real quick. Um, between between 1964 and and 2017, um, there there was and we don't have a lot of time to get into the details, but there was a rebel group in Colombia, um, and and man, uh, there were some peaceful years, but but for the most part, just just some of the worst stuff you can imagine happened because of this group. Um, child kidnappings, um, drug cartels, uh, the, the whole deal, whatever you imagine in a mafia movie, like this is that group. And um, the government had been dealing with them for so long that, that one of the government workers essentially said, I've never lived a day of peace in my life. I hope that my children do someday. Can you imagine raising a child in that environment? But here's, here's what happened. In 2013, I just think this is such a cool story. There are huge gospel implications. In 2013, after years and years, a man, generation of warfare, um, they, they, instead of sending more tanks into the jungle, essentially, um, decided, um, hey, we're going to get a marketing firm to fight our battle for us, right? Very internet age story. I don't know. But, uh, but, but as they do this, here's, here's what they determine to be the plan. Um, they get the biggest trees they can find. I, I love this story. They get the biggest trees they can find. They chop them down. And, and then they put them on these gigantic rafts. And, and I don't know anything about the geography of Colombia, just for the record. Um, but there was a river that ran right through the center of rebel-held territory. And, and here's what they did. I'm going to love this. They dressed up these trees as Christmas trees. 
And, and man, they, they like, like hyped up generators onto the rafts, and they, they dressed them up as Christmas trees, and then they sent them downriver to the rebels. And, and here's, here's the crazy thing. Uh, like, so people are in the jungle, you know, scouting missions or whatever, dead of night, out of nowhere, man, Christmas tree, like in the middle of the jungle. I just think that's wild. And, and then here's, here's the thing. On every Christmas tree that they mailed down river, here's, here's what it said. Gorillas, and not the animal, just so you know. In, in this Christmas, follow the light that will guide you to your family and freedom. Demobilize. Everything is possible during Christmas time. You know the crazy thing about this story? By the end of Christmas, 10% of the rebels laid down their arms, walked out of the jungle, and came home. What? And listen to me. That's how hospitality extended to you in communion works. That, that God in communion has extended his hospitality and grace to you. And, and in that moment, you, you are not on the right side of the world. You have the option to, as a person who has rebelled against God, lay down your arms and come home. Stop fighting. Just come back home. He's calling you to do that. Hospitality has been extended to you. And so we get to, um, man, just, just see how hospitality changes the world. Just the other day, I'll just tell a personal story. I was in my house, had a bad day. Just honestly, this is like in the last two weeks, um, crazy kind of time in the student ministry and crazy time in my life. And just came home angry, came home complaining, and then just didn't really stop complaining. And, and man, at, at a certain point, like, just, like, walked away from my wife because I was getting frustrated. Just played on my phone for, like, 10 minutes in the bathroom. <laughs> Not that you've ever done that. Came back out, was still complaining. I, I literally was, I mean... You know when one small thing becomes everything else in your life? <laughs> You've been there? And, and I literally walked out of the bathroom and I was like, and, and I saw a picture on the internet the other day and my hair is getting thinner every day. Can you believe it? And, and it was just real. I hope that's okay. And, uh, and, and my wife stopped me in my tracks and extended hospitality towards me. She just said, hey, can I just pray for you? Can I just pray for you? And like one, way to immediately deflate the anger in my heart, okay? But, but also just that, that extension of hospitality, man, slowing me down enough to realize how good God has been to me. It just did. Hospitality does that. God has extended his hospitality through communion to you. In communion, we celebrate that God has been, is, and will rescue his people. Easy to see the present and the future in this text. Um, but, but I want to uh, connect you guys. As he says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with you, to connect you guys to the past references that are being made. And so we don't have a lot of time, but Exodus 12 says this. Um, then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, this is at the end of the plagues, just so you know, as they're about to leave Egypt, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. 
and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Just really quickly, um, Jesus has in this instance, uh, like it's in the middle of the Passover meal. And, and here's what happens as they celebrate Passover. That what they're remembering is that at a certain point in history, God asked them to take the blood of a lamb, a spotless sacrificial lamb, and mark their doorposts with it. Cover their house and all that they have in the blood of the lamb. And so as this is happening, this is what Jesus is alluding to. That, that in Passover... Because, because the, the morbid and beautiful thing that's about to happen is that um, in Egypt, the Lord is about to do exactly what was just talked about. He's going to pass through the houses. All of the firstborn children that, that, whose houses have not been marked by the blood of the Lamb are going to pass away. Super dark. I think we can admit that. T- times that I'm like, whoa, what? And, and I think we're supposed to have that guttural reaction, right? But, but here's the thing is, um, in that moment... God is reminding us that he will, um, at a certain level, purge the earth of enemies. And, and I want you to be really clear on that. That does not mean a human enemy. The Bible is very clear that you don't have any human enemies, <laughs> that, the, that what we fight against is not flesh and blood, but principalities and power. And so um, in that, man, uh, the, the flesh, the, the sinful piece in you, the world the sinful system surrounding us, and the devil, a very real and alive enemy. That is what uh, God is purging from the earth, death. God is purging the, the last enemy, is the way Hebrews talks about it, from the earth. And then he's also calling us into freedom and into his presence. And right here, as we talk about the Passover, God wants to remind you that he has done that. He has done that is faithful to do that and will continue to do that. And so here's, here's what I know. I love that this is at the end of the ninth plague, the plague of darkness. And, and here's why. If you are at a dark season in your life, if, if you're under something, if you feel like you're in bondage, um, remember the past faithfulness of God. L- look back on your life, man. Because if you're here today and you're a believer, then at some point the Lord saved you. Remember what God saved you from. Remember, not, not, uh, remember your Egypt, that you were once in bondage, in slavery, and that God has brought you out of that into his freedom and into his life. And regardless of how you feel, he's with you. He's with you. Something to remember. Um, and so we get to see that. Um, we also, in communion, we celebrate that God has been uh, sorry, we get to celebrate that God the Father has sent Jesus as our Passover lamb. Um, a lot of biblical illustrations in here. Um, and and here's, here's what I want you to know. In, in the next few minutes, we're going to take communion. And so right now, I know this is like throwing you off your game. We're not supposed to do this at the end of the service. It's supposed to be after the second song. Everything is broken, right? We're going to be okay. We're going to take communion together as a church family. And, and here's what I want you to see in this as Jesus being our Passover lamb. Because Jesus compares himself to this and draws the illustration of his blood being shed, his body being broken in the way that the Passover lamb would be broken. And and so here's what I want you to see primarily that we get out of that, that we get out of that. 
that in the same way that God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, he didn't just rescue us out of slavery and go, hey, good luck. That'd be rough. Here's what he does. He rescues us out of our own darkness, out of slavery, out of sin, out of death, and he draws us towards himself. The Israelites didn't go into the desert to die. They walked into the desert to meet with the Lord. They walked into the wilderness um, out of probably a considerably safer place, albeit in slavery. They walked out of that into the presence and person of the Lord. And listen to me, that has happened to you as a believer, that if, that if you have chosen to follow Jesus, he is your Passover lamb. He has called you out of darkness. He's forgiven and covered your sin in his blood. And then here's the other reality. He has called you into his presence. And the Bible actually talks about, this is so cool, that, that Jesus, as he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he didn't just leave us and go, all right, you guys got this till I get back. <laughs> Thank God, right? He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of his people. So that at the end of the day, like all over the Psalms, there's this moment where David on one page will be like, man, this is awesome. Lord, you're right here with me. I know that. I cannot wait to go to church tomorrow. That's the New Testament version. But, and, and then the very next page, what happens Where are you? God, why did you leave me? I'm in this pit of despair. I'm alone in this, God. Where did you go? And listen, because of what Jesus did for you, you never have to wonder. You never have to go, God, where are you? And you may not in that moment, in that season of darkness, be able to feel him, be able to just know his presence. But listen, you can know he is with you, that he will never leave you, even unto the end of the age, quote Jesus, that he uh, was, is with you, dwelling among his people, encouraging you, comforting you. The God of all comfort is what Second Corinthians calls our God, that he is with you forever, on your worst day, on your best day, and, and even today. We get to celebrate that in communion, that he's with us. It's this precious reminder it's, it's, it's our wedding ring, right? That, that even when I'm not with my wife, she's with me. When we take communion, we remind ourselves that though I am not face-to-face, that day is coming, that we will be face-to-face with the Lord. But though I'm not face-to-face with, right, with him right now, he is with us from now into eternity. We get to celebrate that. And so in the next minute or two, um, and we're, we're going to celebrate communion together. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask just the ushers to go ahead and um, pass out the elements. And, and as they are doing that, um, here, here's what I want you to understand. Now, just, just a couple of things. Um, there is nothing uh, magical uh, about these elements. This is uh, grape juice from Walmart, I believe. And so high, high pedigree, it's a good year. And uh, and, and just this small cracker, nothing magical about them, nothing sa- saving about them. If you take communion today, uh, you don't become a Christian forever. Uh, but, but here is what I would say, is that this is an incredibly special time that we get to meet together with the Lord and we get to remember um, his past faithfulness. 
We get to remember that he has extended grace to his enemies, namely us. Um, and, and that ultimately, uh, well, just for the record, we are no longer enemies if we are in Christ. We are sons and daughters. Uh, just for the record, just want to clarify that just in case you're walking out going, man, I thought we were good. <laughs> we have been made family by the blood of Jesus. And then we also get to celebrate that, that God is with us. He is our Passover lamb, only he is the Passover lamb who is alive and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, interceding for us, praying for us, asking things of God the Father for us and, and loving us. And he will return. And we remember that future hope today as we celebrate communion. And so in just the next minute, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to pray. I'm gonna ask you to seek the Lord and, and really I'm gonna lay out these three points and, and give you some time between the three points to just pray and remember the things that we, that we celebrate in communion. And so um, this is a special time. And so um, just, just so you know, if you, if you don't feel comfortable taking communion, um, man, feel free to just let the plate pass. Nobody here is gonna judge you in any way. Uh, man, this is the safest place. And, and listen, if you're, if you're here for three years or five minutes, you're family. And so, so welcome home. Um, but I just wanted to encourage you in that in case you're here and like, I don't know, that's okay. That's totally okay. I'm gonna pray and let's, let's remember rightly together. Let's pray. Lord, today as we celebrate communion, um, we, we remember that you extend grace to your enemies. And so... Would you just take a moment, thank the Lord for that. One of the ways you can thank the Lord for that is to remember where you were before Christ. God, I thank you that I'm not as selfish. God, that I'm not that foolish college kid anymore, but that you rescued me, that you extended grace to me, that you love me. We celebrate that God has saved, is saving, and will save. One way to celebrate that in your heart is, is to take a moment and, and ask God to save someone. If you've got a brother, a sister, a father, you just want to reach out and go, God, we know you can save and will save, and we're asking you to save. That's a part of communion. We thank you. We celebrate, God, that you sent Jesus, your son, as our Passover lamb. Would you just thank God for the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, that he took up a cross for you, that he was mocked for you, that he was shamed for you, so that when you stand before the Father, none of that would happen, but that you would be received with love. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at